we forgot to add a disclaimer so let me just quickly do it in this episode (laughs) we'll touch on sensitive topics including discussions about suicide we do understand the gravity of this subject and as always we approached it with we would approach it with utmost sensitivity and care if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide or in need of immediate help please reach out to a mental health professional or a crisis hotline in your country your well-being is very important and we want you to know that you're not alone in your journey through the darkest of your nights or anything close to it now enjoy the show (laughs) why was i laughing when i said that oh my goodness Blame my brain. Yeah, because well, like I you said, know. I like your point about like, you know, we know it's serious, but you know, we also approach things with humor as part of our whole thing. So because we're dark people, we're dark humor kind of people. <laughs> this is how we roll. <laughs> Anyways, um thank you for this is Dark Knight of the Soul. Do you know, eh, this was... You just woke up from that, nowhere and decided, I want to do Dark Knight of the Soul. Abby? Even as I was typing, I was laughing. I'm like, I mean, it's going to come out on this t- I knew that was what you're going to say. That's why I put that emoji. Because even me, so I'm like... The historical, I'm giving, of the historical origin, the emotional and psychological <laughs> dimensions of such transformative <laughs> moments. And the pers- significance in personal... You just, the only thing missing was keywords. To assess, what was the three words? No keywords are like in a proper research paper. Oh keywords! Oh, I thought you said three words. Oh keywords! No keywords. That's the only thing missing. Oh keyword, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because it is the abstract. Uh, You know how they say when you go through stuff, either you become a philosopher or what's the other thing you become? Yeah, or a cynic or something like that. Maybe it's the same thing. (laughs) Anyways, um. Please. But how, the how question you not answered is why dark night of the soul. What's the question? What'd you say? You know what? Is that kind of phrase I was asking how you were doing? Is that kind of phrase you hear one time and then you just deposit it somewhere in your mind and then it just it just comes out from nowhere? And I'm like, dark night of the soul. Like, what the heck is this? So I I start thinking, oh, you know what? Okay, it makes sense. You know what I'm going through, dark night of the soul. Then I had to start reading more about. It. Oh yeah, this is. Is this my dark night of the soul moment? And I'm like, eh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I, I just, I just got sunk into, into it. And then the history behind it, and all of the um, like cans. I, I went into cans. I went into then I, you know, dived into the Bible as well. So yeah, mm. five YouTube videos later, here we are. But how have you been? How's work? How's um, life? Works fine. Work is fine actually. I'm quite I'm enjoying it, yeah. but I usually do. I've got new junior doctors and they're great. I see. Yeah. I see. But she's amazing. And then the other guy is he um he's F one, so he's younger, he's junior. But they are both very keen. Um That's good. That's a very English word, by the way, keen. Like it's a word we I use keen so much more here than I ever used in Nigeria. Mm, I see. But usually, when they say but king, it, it can mean a bad way too. It can be like dirty bodju. What's a forward? Yeah, yeah. Depending on the context. Yeah. We don't use it like that here. Uh, we they, use something else. That's what I'm saying. Like here, it's, king it's, is usually it's used a lot in a way that I'm not aware of from American media and definitely not from Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah. We usually use it in a positive way here. You know. Yeah. 
I think and, I think Americans yeah. just say like enthusiastic. So here they use king for enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm keen about this. Yeah. Yeah, they would yeah. almost never say enthusiastic or eager. Uh, well they might say eager, but eager is usually not a good thing. <laughs> Flozy. <laughs> the English are well, you know what my favorite anyway. English is in, is the fact that English people will be like, let's say someone killed your loved one, they'll be like that's a bit that's a bit sad. A bit sad. <laughs> so what is gonna be really sad? Wait, now I'm sure. not finished. That's that's one side, right? Or or you had a really like horrible betrayal, and you'll be like, oh, that man. I feel like your friend treated you a bit shit. <laughs> but but here's the cool part: the weather is grey, and they'll be like, oh, the weather today is absolutely vile. You guys have misplaced your your priority. <laughs> I love it. You misplaced your priority. You misplaced your priority. I had the most miserable morning. I couldn't find my keys on my way out. <laughs> this is when you say you love things and you, you hate people. But you, you love things more than you love people. No, it's really more that they undiversize when it's like really heavy. And then they exaggerates when it's minor when <laughs> it's and it's just such a fascinating and the funny thing is that nobody ever notices it until i point it out to them <sighs> they, they do it so much they don't like when i point it out they realize oh that's true we do that but they've never actually thought about it i think you should move to the u.s i feel like you're getting too comfortable in that place <laughs> when are you visiting self when am i what Visiting the UK, US. I'm renewing my visa once it comes through. Because I was going to try and do, but then I realized I can't really book a visa when my current visa is expiring in a month. Yeah, I see. Like, they're just I'll going be to be in, I'll be in Scotland. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Your, your, you mean your visa? Oh, because you Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be in Edinburgh. Edinburgh? Edinburgh? In, in March next year. I have a No way. Are you serious? There. Yes, well, How long yeah, are you going to be there? Way. I'll come. I'm going to come to London. My my friend is turning forty, so I'll be you there come to for London. two weeks in total. Mm. I I can come to London now. I can come and see in London. I also want to see you. You have to come to me in the US for I come see you. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, challenge accepted. You have to come to the US. And I'm speaking on behalf of Chiedu and your other friends. You have to come to the US first before I come see you in London. Okay, fine. It's not going to be about this you. This is cruel and cold and crass. And I need another C word. And it's a bit sad, right? Isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit crass. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, we'll, we'll see. Don't worry. Let me, I haven't booked my flight yet. I'm waiting to get my, um, my you know, you know, by the way, Just something funny. Elon Musk had this interview with somebody and a, a British journalist. And the journalist said something was a little concerning. And Musk was like, no, what do you mean a little concerning? It was a heavy... <laughs> and I'm like... So wait, the journalist is from the UK, right? You should understand. And Musk was thinking that was downplaying... He, t- he talked to him. The guy was downplaying the seriousness of the thing. And I'm like, oh, God. 
culture clash. Yeah, but he didn't get, he didn't get the context. Culture but look at context, yato. He didn't get Yes, 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 yes. And if I didn't know from what you explained, I probably would have said the same thing in the Musk did. Yeah. Anyway, it was so funny because um, my man, like to the journalist, welcome, welcome back to the journalist. That's it, too. Like he's basically denounced that thing. <laughs> Don't want to be cancelled. <laughs> How dare you say it's a little bit concerning? Don't you see that it's a lot concerning? No, that's what I'm saying. But um, like, in the journalist's mind, he had expressed himself clearly that this is enough, a yeah, serious yeah. problem. And in the, yeah, in, yeah. anybody in England would have understood. <laughs> But Elon Musk thought he was downplaying the thing, and he now got upset. He now took well, it to Twitter. Even blame Elon Musk. Shouldn't, shouldn't it be the journalist's um, job to make sure that you know yes, who your audience that is? Especially speaking, yeah. But it was just yeah, funny, like, so. and then Musk now took it as you know he's going down this whole rabbit hole of. Oh, he went on Twitter and talked about. Come on, Elon. And then to his hey, mind, hey. this was an example of the media taking things. I'm like. Oh. Oh, no, no. That extrapolation is not needed. Okay, 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 okay. I stand with the journalist now. If they explain themselves and did nobody call him out on there and say, oh, this is how UK people speak. I'm sure someone did. I didn't really yeah. bother checking. But it was just funny. It was just an example of, like, the culture clash and, yeah. like, yeah. you know, how we're both speaking English and not understanding each other. I was about saying that. There's so much... Um, Assumptions being made that if you speak the same language, you have a monster. I'm sure if they were speaking to someone that was from Korea or another country, like a journalist that spoke a different kind of script, there'd be more grace. But you guys couldn't be any different. We couldn't if we tried. Yeah, your food, the way you guys talk, your internet. I mean, geez, we're just coping with you people globally. <laughs> Anyways, welcome fault. back to the podcast. <laughs> Are we starting it's officially? We've started since. I've gotten enough material for I the pre... I see you recording, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've gotten enough material for the pre... And now you just ruined the moment. Thank you very much, Captain of your... You can cut it Welcome out. Come back to the podcast. No, I'm, I'm actually going to leave it there so people can know your true, true colors. Welcome back to the podcast. And, you um, see my really nice to have, have you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we both know that you have a lot of talents, but singing is not one of them. Not even all the alcohol <sighs> in the in London pubs will save you. But welcome, <laughs> welcome. Um, for those who just joined us for the first time, welcome. This is Mo and um, Miami Day. Okay, and today's topic was something that I reached out to Emily about some days ago and if you cut the earlier portion of this recording the way it came about was <laughs> I just did like that dump where you just have a thought and you just keep typing until you press send and you're like he's gonna call you out on this it was very thesis like and um, at the very core of it so break it down to something that will be very relatable so we're talking about the dark night of the soul and for those who are not familiar with that term, um, we can start with the definition of it. Oh, and if you don't know Yamide yet, he's a very good friend of mine, an older friend of mine, emphasis on an older friend of mine. And um, wow. he's a psychiatrist based <laughs> in London. He's a maze balls. And that's all I'm going to say London. about him. Because they're all, wherever you are, where are you Ipswich or, yeah, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. Um, he lives in one of those backwater places where their internet never works. It's always struggling, struggling internet. So, um, I'm, I'm curious to know though, when was the first time you, what was the, when was the first time you heard about the phrase Dark Night of the Soul? Ever? 
just before I say that, I just want to like shout out to the only person I know whose brain dumps comes out in academia. Who? You. Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder how feeling you're like that as well. Like, hey Ori. Oh, hi. Our producer is here. Mommy's recording right now. Yeah. You want to say hi to Uncle Iomi? Yeah, say hi. Oh, Hi. look at those lovely cornrows. Hello. Yeah. Can you say hi? Oh, Hello. Yeah. It's loud. Yeah, Hi. How are you? What's going on about your opening party? Good. I'll hurt. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's just... My... Yeah. Love the cornrows. Love your hair. Your hair is nice. So thank you. Thank you. You want to show him your ear? Yeah. You want to show him your ear? Oh, we had that earrings. little ring? Earrings, yeah. A little stud? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally pierced her ears. Oh. And she did not cry. Oh, look at look at someone being yeah. brave. Mommy's got a recording, okay? You gotta go stay with daddy, okay? No, mommy. No, you stay with daddy. No, mommy. You have five minutes. No. You go get your phone and stay with daddy? Mm? No. You kiss? Mm? I love you. Go stay with daddy, okay? It's okay, it's okay. Just stay with daddy. Mommy needs some time to record. Mm? Uncle. All right, thank you. Thank you. Mm? Uncle. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I see you through. Can you hear me still? Can you hear me? I need to stop, stop singing. Stop singing. Um, yes, I can hear you. <laughs> oh, no, you. Could you hear me? No, I, I, I could hear you mute. sing. No, I could hear you saying. I just oh, came in now and I heard you singing. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, I thought I was. I thought I'd muted. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, I think you were saying something about academic brain dump. I think you're like that because it takes one to no one. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you, you were. I only sent it to you because I know you could relate. So it takes one to no one. Oh, I, I see you. I see you. I see you trying to drag me into your mess. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I accept the fact. But when when was the first time you you heard about the phrase? Can you remember? Do you know I can't remember. I actually can't Same remember. Here. I think it's it was been in uni. Yeah. Was it uni or secondary school? I know so it was one book, of those maybe? Christian books. It was probably uni. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe Ted Decker, one of those books. No, definitely not Ted Decker. I think... It was something more. I don't. Know. I I knew about it. So at the time I knew about it, I couldn't even talk about it with people because I knew it was something, it was the kind of thing, because it was like one of those sort of Catholic, Downer. maybe yeah, like yeah, a Saint yeah, yeah, Thomas yeah, yeah, Aquinas, yeah. you know, I think Aquinas, I, had a, copy yeah, of, yeah, I yeah. had a copy of the imitations, you know, um, I never read those. And, yeah. and I think it was Aquinas that wrote, sorry? I've never, I've never heard, I've never read those. Yeah. And, oh no, it was either at, the imitations or I think it was something from Francois de Sales. It was this sort of book, it was this sort of mystical sort of Christianity, this book about sort of the mystical sort of aspect of Christianity. Oh, Christian, oh, um, yeah, I think um, St. John. The person who coined it was St. John of the Cross. Yeah, yeah, St. John of the Cross, yeah. Christian, yeah, Christian so this name. person, yes, 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 this yes. person quoted him. I see. Right, and I that's how I first heard the term. And I resonated with it yeah. at the time. 
but like it was one of those things I knew enough by then to know that this is not something that I would easily be able to explain to people. So I just sort of kept it to myself. Yeah. I say, I say. Um, I don't know. I think for me, maybe it was, was, uh, was yeah, this was a very long time ago. And then later I found out, I, yeah. I found out that it's even like using psychological context as well. Oh, really? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, not like in psychology, psychology, but like it's, because it's, that was the first description by this St. John of the Cross. The first context was in a religious context and it's still most often in a oh, religious yeah. context. But there's this understanding of it because it's a great term, isn't it? It's a brilliant term. It is, it is, um, it is. And, it and so it's been, so... Used, it's been used outside of religious context and it's known. So when I say it's, it's not so much used in psychology, but it's known by psychologists. Let me put oh, it I that see, way. I see. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I think I might. I anytime I think about, it, I think about Count of Monte Cristo. Maybe why it was Count around of Monte that time Cristo whenever I watched. The I movie. kind of can, I can yeah. see why, but I want you to sort of unpack that. I know. I I I learned the term around the time I watched that movie, or somebody talked about it during that movie like it was something it was mentioned as a phrase in the movie but i always equate those two things like count of monte cristo that's and that kind of song you know that's actually um, that's really interesting mutually exclusive but i just remember those two things at the same time and for those who are just hearing about this for the first time it's just it just means a period you go through that symbolizes well in the christian when the spiritual term of it these are moments that really um almost like symbolizes your eventual, like a profound spiritual or psychological challenge that you encounter and it's supposed to bring you closer to God at the end of it. But it's like your soul goes through this journey of, of turmoil, but at the end of it is you unravel this meaning of life. But it's not always it's easy going to bring you closer to God. I mean the Christian part of it though. Like yeah, spiritual but even in the Christian part, part like... I mean, from a Christian point of view, everything is supposed to bring you closer to God, actually. Right? Yeah, but it was coined by St. John of the Cross. And yes, he, but the point is, about the it, point is not that it's, it's inevitably supposed to bring you closer to God. Like, he, I think, if I remember, he himself understood very much that it's not, it's not like a 100% kind of thing. It's not. You know, so some people, I think some, he, people some people go through it and don't come through with a faith in, intact, if that makes sense, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to but send I think you for a him, psychological version, by the way. Of course. And look who is talking about academic um, brain dump. I, 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 it I has a psychological version of it. I did not even know there was a psychological version of it, yeah. Um, so, um, but the key thing here is that you're going through something that is really, really difficult mm-hmm. and there's that almost like that dialogue internal in inner dialogue you have with yourself to kind of unravel like the meaning behind life um and and suffering and all of that and so yeah um that's just like a, it often involves a bit a of broad definition yeah. of and, and something really important that i remember reading about it when i first learned about it yeah was mm. the idea that um it's not necessarily connected to something. That, it's not. It's not necessarily about guilt. Mm. Even though sometimes people feel guilty during it, like it's not. It's not. This is not one of those. It's not a repentance issue. It's not a. I'm doing something wrong or I'm messing up in some way 
or I'm, or, you know, I'm breaking some relationship kind of thing. It's just like, it's more like, just like, I think it was this idea of like, the, the, whatever clarity or sense of clarity that a person had about their faith is sort of withdrawn for a time, you know, yeah. and, and it's just like this period yeah. of like, okay, oh my goodness, what is going on? You know? Yeah. And I see how there could be that convergence or divergence. People might end up getting closer to God or just going far away from God, depending on just how they're able to unravel that aspect of their life. But one thing, I think, thanks for saying that article. I think mm. it's, I liked how it seized out. Those it's a, it's who a, are going it's a very psychological thing. Like, it's, it's, it's very deeply psychological for something that... Sorry. No, you finished. No, go ahead. It's deeply psychological for something that what? Oh, no, I said, uh, just, it's very deeply psychological for something that was, I think, first coined, I can't remember when it was. In the 16th I, I century. Up, but like, 16th century. 16th century. 15, yeah, 16th, 16th century. century. Yeah. So this was before we had the kind of psychology. Yeah. You know, long before the kind of psychological language you have now. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's and I think that's one of the reasons why it's, it's been sort of, you know, considered in the way we do now um, as a sort of deeply important sort of psychological um, expression. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, the article you sent in, which yeah, I'm going to... It's very um, introspective, yeah. the idea. It is, I agree. I like how it said it's not synonymous with depression, but can often overlap with it. So those who might be going through it maybe or may not be depressed. Um, but one thing I also wanted to speak out from that article was... Um, how it tends to like this spiritual desolation, how it often affects your, you know, your beliefs, your relationship with others, your, your worldview. Like there's almost like that shift in your overall personality based on what you're going. So I'm curious to know for you, when you go through, when you've gone through stuff like that, what are your tendencies? You tend to withdraw a lot from people or you tend to crave that community? I think I probably know the answer for you. I mean, in a way, if you think about the darkness of the soul as a sort of... It's existential, right? It's basically... Yeah. The more you think about it is if... You know, if you think about it more psychologically than spiritually, one way to think about it is a fundamental um, sort of displacement of your core existential assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have what I like to call our coexistential assumptions, like the things that you fundamentally hold to be true about mm -hmm. life and the things that you... And when I say assumptions, that's not to say they're not true, but that's to say yeah. they're not... I think that... I, so the things, the things that are most fundamental to how we think about things cannot be proven. And that's mm -hmm. not for any... It's just That's just how it is, right? Like something like the idea that humans are equal, that's not something you can prove scientifically. You know, you either you believe it or you don't, right? It's it's like in mathematics when you say things like um, assuming n is not equal to zero, you know. So it's like, you know, in mathematics you have to state your assumptions. In life we don't often state our assumptions, but they are still there. Um, 
and then sometimes things happen that shake that and it could be someone between mm-hmm. you know you are making you start to question like oh wait can i actually trust people can i trust anybody people yeah um, yeah but then from a spiritual person from a spiritual perspective or from a christian perspective it's sort of you know maybe might be question of can i even trust god or or which <laughs> for some people which might be even worse is any of this real and is this real and is my faith yeah. real or does any of this mean anything yeah. and sometimes that's not even because yeah. anything has happened it's just you just find yourself sort of there mm-hmm. um there's a part of me that sometimes wonders if this is something that more happens to some kinds of people and some kind of temperament more than others but i don't know i don't have any uh, data i don't think so i think we all go my suspicion would be that, that it does actually yeah yeah would be my but suspicion i think i think I think it's all how we metabolize it that will maybe our personality type might determine that. But as far as the occurrence of it, I think it's open to anybody, regardless of a personality type. But the metabolism of it yeah, and well, interaction. I think, I think what I mean is I the questioning, yes, everybody does that, but because the idea of the dark night is this sort of almost like sense of sense of um not despair, sense of Existential, existential crisis is where existential like, crisis is, is not quite up to the level of dark night of the soul <laughs> it's it's more like it's more like existential displacements mm. it's like if an earthquake happened but in the in depths a, of who you yeah. are and you're the only one affected by it. Yes, and it's like Richter nine or something. Like, do you get what I mean? It's on the nine, on the rich castle, yeah, like nine, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's a bit beyond the existential crisis. Is my is how I think. So personally, I'm not sure I've actually experienced it, but I I feel like I've experienced stuff along that line. Because one of the ideas, if my understanding of what it is is correct is that it actually happens more to people who are a lot more ahead in the spiritual path. Oh, I see. Not at the beginning. I see. Of course, of course. I mean, what yeah. fun is it at the beginning? It's like, <laughs> you don't want to trade there. You're going to lose more customers. <laughs> <laughs> Let them get comfortable. <laughs> Throw two Nagasaki bombs on them. Oh, sorry, no offense to Nagasaki people, but you know what I mean. You know. Um, and, and to be to be fair, though, to be fair, this is not like a biblically. This is one of those Christian experience things, right? This is not something like you can probably point to some things in Scripture that connect to it, but it's not. You know, I wouldn't fight. This, I wouldn't. It's not a hill I would die on. Let me put it that <laughs> that way. Like if someone says, you know, I'm Christian and I don't believe in this, I'm like, I'm. You know, it's fine. We don't even have to like fight over this like, accept yeah yeah like i'm i'm not yeah. i'm not you know i think it's a thing but it's it's not important enough to me that you know we have to agree on it because um, i don't yeah. even know exactly yeah. how i feel about it and like i said i don't know if i would say i've had it based on the way it's been described but i feel like i've had enough experiences that i can kind of grasp what it would be like if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You've had near experiences, like... <laughs> near, um, near, near dark experiences. <laughs> near dark experiences, yeah. I think for me, I, I agree with you in the sense that I don't... I mean, the things that have happened to me have been sad, but to that level, the more I read about it, I don't think it's quite to that level yet. But, of course, the way you even 
how you're kind of um your thoughts about you know what's the meaning behind life you can which i already know the answer to but for me it's it also comes with a bit of cynicism about okay what's the point of everything anyways or um but there's some sense of power that i get in the sense of i don't bother about the little things anymore you know like things i used to sweat bullets about when i go through those moments of just despair like this is not a big deal I'm not going to sweat about it. Like mm. it is a way I tend to focus more on the important things. Like I, almost like I get more clarity. Mm. Like, no, that's not going to bother me. Um, but the downside to that is just isolation, you know, and I'm not built for prolonged moments of isolation, but I mm. just want to be left alone. You know, that's what I just see as, you know, my own counter tendencies or protective factors. When I go through those near dark mm. nights, mm. Yeah, but I mean, the desolation is almost. I can see how because it's if you feel desolate inside, it's going to reflect outside, basically, isn't it? (laughs) Eventually, (laughs) it's like desolation, isolation will go together, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Yeah, yeah. By the way, this makes me think of the fact that the French word for sorry is désolé, désolé, which is like characteristically like dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Desolate, desolate. It's like I'm not just sorry, I am desolate. I'm desolate. I am desolate. All is lost. I hurt you this time. Yeah, yeah. I did not bring your tea cold. I'm hot. But imagine just how they've used it so much so that the the meaning is like watered down. You know, like everybody says. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure so, there's other words to capture that is would be my yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, just not yeah, just not yeah. that oh, word. In in Korean. Like many words for I'm sorry, but the one that really takes the cake for me is Choi Song Hamida. Hey God, it's like I have committed a crime. I have like I have. I'm a criminal. Like like there's a crime. Like my guilty that against you is like, great. Yes, yes, and it's always like I've committed this crime that is almost worthy of being called a criminal, worthy of yeah of dying. You know? It sounds like it's, the, it's verbal, the verbal equivalent of like pouring ashes on your head. That and theory yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the constant bowing and the you know, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm so yeah. sorry, you know, like yeah, yeah. So it's but but it's, course, in a way I like you it because the truth is, you know, there's anybody. a moment where you feel like you've messed up so bad and sorry doesn't cut it. And you need yes, yes, you yes. need something more weighty to capture your your sense of desolation, really. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And man, like even even like saying it when you say it, just those are like you don't just use it anytime. You you have to consider the relative, you know, um, distance between you and that person, like how their social standing and also their age, and the degree of the of the crime you've co- committed. So you can you know they have different. Mianamida, you know, Mianheyo, but Chosonamida is like oh, you know, what have you done? <laughs> you know, so uh, but English is just I'm sorry. Or you go into explanation. You know what? It's like, I'm so sorry. Is, it's like, okay, I'm then, very, very sorry. Like, okay, you're just going to keep adding words to the just sorry. Just keep adding, yes, yes. But then it's still sorry. Like, so you 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 stepped on me, sorry. You snatched my boyfriend, sorry. Like, which one is it going to be, you know? <laughs> uh, but, um, I feel like, there's still something to be said about how this moment. Now we know we've talked about Dark Knight, so 
we haven't gotten to that level in our spiritual journey. Maybe it means that we are not very, we're not as spiritual as we think we are. But uh, there's something about just. I mean, we can still talk about it from the angle of like just the existential critical moments, though, which I think, like yes, you said, yes, everyone yes, yes. has that, you know. Something like that. Yeah, um, let's focus on that then. Or, but, or our ex, you know, our sort of near dark experiences, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you, this is me asking from a personal, how do you cure yourself from that, of that cynicism that comes from, especially when it's something that is repeated, like you're going through so much, so much that it's the same thing that happens like every now and then. And you get into that point where you're just like getting cynical. What are some of the things you can, like, how do you, I don't want to say snap out of it. I see the beauty of it and I see the dark side of it, no pun intended. But what are some things to take notes when you go through this moment of cynicism? Like, what is the point anyways? Um, one, so I do a few things. Um, one, you know, which is I talk about it because I've talked about it with you. You hardly talk about things. I do talk about it. Not all the time. I don't talk about it enough and I need to get better at that, but I do talk about it. Yes. Um, another one that I do is I just wait as well. Oh, that's hard. Um, like, and when I say wait, I mean like, you know. So, there's this thing in in suicidality where, especially for people who have chronic suicidality, mm-hmm. right? And by chronic suicidality, you know, it's like that chronic sense of, you know, um. Want to, I mean, we're talking about Dark Knight of the Soul, right? So we already know we're talking. I don't have to trigger one anybody. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> already no. in the heavy. Um, but there's, you know, there are people who struggle with chronic suicidality, sort of a chronic sense of wanting life to be over and all of that. Um, mm. and, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I'm going to, there's passive and active suicidality. So active suicidality, most people are familiar with, which is somebody trying to take their life Plan. or mm. end, to end their life or, or make plans towards it or, take actions in that direction. Um, in general, when we say make plans, going to buy medicine or buy equipment is considered part of making plans, even if they've not like, you know, whatever. Um, but then the passive suicidality, which almost everyone has experienced at some point, is the wanting life to be over, even if they're not wanting to end it themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So like... Like a see- just coming to sip you out. Yeah. Sorry? Like a trailer, just wishing for a trailer, something just happened to you. Like a trailer just sweeping you off the road. Yeah. You know, or even like, you know, I'm, you're hoping to just like sleep and not wake up or, you know, just. I know, wake up, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. not, nothing so dramatic. And not, not everybody's thinking about I'm drama. Excuse me. <laughs> not excuse you. <laughs> Is it your thought? <laughs> you know, and you see that in the Bible. You know, you see that with Job. You see that with Job, Elijah. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah, you see that with yeah. Jeremiah. And every single one of them expressed these thoughts of wanting life to be over. You see it with Paul talking about despairing of life at some point. Um, So there's a lot of passive suicidality there. Um, Even Jesus mm, on the cross. Not not suicidality. No, 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 no. Just the... Desolation, but not suicidality. Yeah, desolation. But I'm talking about suicidality specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, Carry on. Then, and of course, you see suicide as well, of course. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things that we do for people who have chronic suicidality, you know, which is where those thoughts, some people struggle with that for years and years and years. And um, 
you know, and if that's anyone listening to this, um, please feel, you know, like, don't feel like you have to struggle with it by yourself because a lot of people feel like they do. Like, this is something that there's help for and, and there's there's support you can get for it. Um, but but for, for, for people who do that, what happens is most of the time, actually, most of the time, they can cope with it on some level. Like, mm-hmm. it's difficult, but they are coping. Like, and the evidence that they are coping is the fact that they've had it for years and years and they've somehow managed yeah, to still be here. Yeah. Yeah. But they have moments when it gets overwhelming or more strong or more prominent. Yeah. And in those moments, one of the things that's helpful to do is to wait. Wait it out. Yeah. Because those moments tend to not be like they tend to self-limit to some degree. Um and so they may still go back to the sort of chronic baseline level. But that sort of acute spike of overwhelm yeah. doesn't always mm-hmm. last. And when I say doesn't always last, it can last for a while. But like it will for some people it just lasts for a few minutes, some people it can last for maybe hours even. Um mm. I don't know if it lasts up to days. Um maybe it probably lasts up to days in some in some people. Um but it oft I've often after and I've seen this to many people, um at some point it subsides. The danger is in that moment, before it subsides, people might take action. And yeah. so a lot of the support is around supporting people through that moment. So a lot of what people like mm. the Samaritans, I don't know if you have Samaritans in the US. Um, no, but I know about them. But like, or, like, like suicide hotline, yeah. helpline numbers, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have, we have. Whatever, we have numbers, whatever yeah. they're called. And there's many of them. Samaritans are just like one of those common ones. And they're starting in the UK, so they're quite big in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things they do is really like the whole sort of talking to people on the phone is really just sort of talking mm-hmm. them through hopefully getting through that moment when things can sort of subside and they can manage mm-hmm. it again. Um and I'm saying all of this to say that, you know, that's like the most sort of extreme thing, yeah. right? Like your life, your like you know, thinking about ending life. Um but it applies to so many things that are sort of a lot more sort of downstream of that or should I say upstream of that actually um, you know including stuff like this I think although this can be quite extreme can feel quite extreme as well um, but yeah I find that waiting waiting helps and so sometimes what that looks like especially if you're the kind of person who deals with it quite often is figuring out what waiting looks like um, but yeah but I think some people need a lot of support because especially when you're yeah so sometimes when, when I say waiting doesn't mean waiting yeah. alone Okay, good, good. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that because... <laughs> it doesn't mean what like, you know. So, for instance, one of the things I've learned is when I'm in those moments, staying at home doesn't necessarily help. Hmm. You know, it's probably useful to go out, hang out with people, socialize, even though that's the last thing I feel like doing. How about and, those that already, like, and come back tired to me, like, and then intro- sleep? That have tendency <laughs> to be introverted. Like, I don't have time to... So- Sorry? How about introverts who already have tendencies to be by themselves most of the time? They don't get their energy from being mixed of people. Yeah, that's what, well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, so what of, I, don't, I don't enjoy being in the midst of people. But I'm saying I <gasps> find that that helps. That helps. Including me? That helps. You're not people. It, that helps. Okay. Wait, <laughs> that wait. Helps I'm an animal. Oh, shush. 
<laughs> but it helps. It helps. Like sometimes, even even yeah. that, even though as much as I avoid that normally, in those moments, it's still better for me than being on my own and ruminating. Mm. Because what it's doing is it's taking me out of my brain, you know, and having to like deal with the stress of socializing. But that stress is actually more helpful than whatever I'll be doing by myself and spiraling. Um, and I know that's not going to be easy for everybody, but it could even just no. be like a phone call. It could be a text chat. Like, you know, if someone has time and you can just like, can I just text with you for like the next hour or something? Uh-huh. Um, having work helps. So work is something I'm so grateful for because when those moments have happened, it's so nice to think about the fact that, you know, I just need to no, make it to saying, tomorrow yeah. morning and I'm going to work. <laughs> yeah. Even pouring yourself in the service of others. Like for me, like yeah. knowing that I'm, I have other roles I'm expected to do, not because I'm trying to escape from this despair I'm going through, but that there's other aspects of my life that has already been automated and I can have a semblance of normalcy. Yeah. You know? But yeah, again, that that's you come down to like, in, you know, in depression, there's this whole thing about structured activity. And work is just basically oh, yeah. like free structured activity. Yeah. That helps again to sort mm-hmm. of tide you through those moments. Um, yeah. Yeah. A really difficult part though of this, and I've read of people that have struggled with this, um, is where, and it's generally for Christians, I know of like, you know, um, and I say it's Christian specifically because, you know, for Christians, there's this whole idea of having a sense of assurance about your standing with god you know based on 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 jesus christ um and then there's this challenge of in those moments you don't have that and one of the challenges is that people other christians sometimes who don't understand it might think oh it's just a matter of so like working your faith up or or whatever um which is not very helpful in those moments no it's not um it's not and so it's 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 if if you're lucky to have someone you can talk about it and be honest with, that would be amazing. Um, and sometimes that might mean talking to them and explaining to them so that they can understand. Hopefully when you're not in the moment, so that when you get into the moment, they can help you in the moment. And all people yeah. need sometimes in that moment, and I found this so helpful, is this idea of, do you know what? I will have faith for you in this moment. You just like lie down faith-wise. You know, uh, like, like I'll have faith for you. I will hope for you in this moment until you can come back to doing uh-huh. it on your own, which is kind of what you do for people uh-huh. physically, isn't it? It's if someone yeah. can't walk, I mean, you sort of do stuff, yeah, walk, them. You help them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, this is not like you're doing this for life. It's just like for for the being in for that this, moment, yeah, for that period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it can look like different things. It's yeah, so. So that's something for people who might be wondering how to support people who go through that. If you know someone like that, that's one way to to do it. Um, you know, yeah, I had a friend off, tell me because I thought it's to I offer had, them to, to hold them, hold them. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend say something because I said, you know what, it was difficult reading my Bible and praying at that moment, and she was like, "I'm gonna pray for you. You don't even have to say amen, you know." And I'm like, "Huh? That's that was it, you know?" Yeah. That's an example. I think, yeah. And I think people people just sometimes don't know that that's something you can do. I don't think it's something people know and think, oh, people that's a bad that idea, I'm not do, doing yeah. that. I think people just, it just doesn't occur to people that, oh, I could do that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. you can. 
You can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even in your, in you you waiting it out, I think what I could read between those words would be that is hope around the corner, right? Because what exactly, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting out for? Like a turn of events, right? Oh yeah. It's, so it's my hope. next question. Yeah. But my next question, where do you get your hope from? Like, what is the source of this hope you speak, you speak about, especially for those well, that are not. From a Christian point of view, that's very straightforward. Um, I said for those that are non-Christians, because yes, I saw that coming yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say straightforward, I don't mean it's easy. <laughs> I just mean it's, yeah. it, it's hard, but it's straightforward. Like it's, yeah. it makes sense. You understand it. Um, and then the challenge mm-hmm. is actually living into it. <laughs> right. Um, but at least you understand what the hope is. Um, for a non-Christian, I suppose I would say if only like the idea of like you've made it this far and you probably made it through periods like this. So there's good reason to hope that you can make it through this one as well. Um, and actually, I think one of the dangers is the idea... I'm going to draw something from depression again because, you know, there's a lot from depression that's helpful here. But I'm going to... You know, one of the things that's helpful is, is sort of the idea that... Um, you don't want to be thinking too far ahead. So a big danger in moments like this is to think, what if I keep having this moment? It's like, yeah, that's not a helpful thought. That, I don't see, do that. I see, I see, I see. Your focus should be entirely on getting through this moment. Right? Mm-hmm. And so like in depression, there's always that fear of like, what's my life going to look like? What's the future going to look like? I said, no, no, no. Focus on like the next hour or the next day. Literally that. Like, can I make it through to tomorrow? Yes, that's what I'm going to do, right? Um, and that focus is just helpful because in that moment, you can't see clearly enough to be thinking about the future in any meaningful way, actually. Yeah. And, and anything you see is just going to depress you more. You know, so, and I think it's similar like that as well. It's like, okay, can I get through this? And... Yeah, I've gotten through it before, so I can maybe get through it again. Um, I like that. I like that. I like that. And I think the dark side of this is that um, that book, which we never talked about, Stay, right? Um, one of the things she said, the author said, was a predictor of people committing suicide around you is knowing someone who's committed suicide. Mm-hmm. So you you going through your dark moments and or your near-dark moments as a way, and overcoming it, you can be that light to the next person around you who might be going through that. You can say, hey, I went through something similar, and I assure you that it's going to get better. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so sort of um, like the reverse of the... Of the, the reserve, the reverse of the... And I, of the, and, and I of think the, for me... The, of the suicide it's effect. It's also of the, the, of the, suicide of the, effect, of the alive yeah. effect. The stay effect, yeah. Stay effect, yeah. I think for me is is also the compassion that comes to going through certain issues in my life. Like the moment I sense that self, that's exact or similar type of suffering other people, there's a way I connect with them differently. Like, oh, you've been touched too, you know, almost like touched by the death workers. Like, oh, come on, you know, do I have a story for you? 
Mm. And, and I think it makes it makes life the most meaning I've had to things I've gone through. Like what has given me the most sense of meaning and purpose is talking to others who've gone through that and just sharing my experience or even learning from them because you realize that you're not alone in this, you know. And there's something to be said about that power of community. Mm-hmm. So that's also something I like to throw in the hat. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I was talking to, he's like a coach. I was talking to my coach this weekend. He brought up the question on um, maybe, because one thing I've observed about myself is I seem to, especially when I go through these moments, I seem to, like, almost like I'm dangling between waiting out but then just sinking into depression right Mm -hmm. and so the question was do you find yourself always being in that you know um like sitting at that over that ledge of wellness and depression all the time and i really couldn't answer the question because my current state of mind is kind of compromised and it was hard to answer that question and then he was talking about do you want to maybe see a doctor to get like back on meds and I don't know if I want to be back on meds. Like the one I used was quite helpful, but it erased a lot of my memories. And I think I told you about that. You know, oh. I was on Wellbutrin for a while, and I was losing my short-term memories. It worked well. It really worked well because I know how it felt like to not be without it. And when I was on it, it took a while to kind of kick in, like four to six weeks, but it really worked. Mm. But Don't then I was losing memories, so I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I was losing memories. <laughs> yes, yes. I was losing memories. And it was the weirdest thing because I I, I remember something. I, I mean, I have a good memory. I pride on my, myself on being able to recall. I tried things that just happened like a day before. I couldn't even remember stuff. I was, you know, dropping the balls on some meetings and I'm like, this is not me. And how many people do you want to start explaining to like, I'm on meds, I'm on meds, I'm on meds. Oh, I forgot I was on meds, you know. So, um, but I guess for you, at what point would you recommend meds to um, to people who might really need it? Like, when do you seek help for like meds versus talk therapy? Because I know there's a lot of stuff to unpack, especially you know how people think, oh, if you're on meds, it's gonna alter your brain chemistry and you might become so dependent on it. What's your advice on that? Professional advice, by the way. Um, I think my advice is always in terms of trade-offs. You know, um, and basically I have this thing that I, I try to explain to people that there is this thing where we talk about side effects as if the opposite of side effects is no side effects. <laughs> but that's not the opposite. The side effects are because you're taking treatment for an illness or for a, you know, mm-hmm. a condition or, or, or something that's happening. And so there's already, there's already that decrease in functioning that we don't talk about. Yes, Exactly. You know, so it's like, I get what you said about the the um, memory problems, and that's real, right? You know what else doesn't help your memory? What's that? Anxiety being and de- depression? Being depressed. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but you get what I mean? I'm obviously, like, I'm, I'm saying it jokingly, but like, and it's worth thinking about. And you answer, the answer might still be, yeah, I, I still want to go ahead and not take the meds. But it's like, at least be aware of what the actual trade-off is. Mm. You know? To make um, that informed decision, right? Yeah, because I think there's this risk of that we, we we make a lot of just, like, it's like, oh, I'm going to take trade-offs. 
I'm going to take this and stop having side effects and that's that. Like, no, but that's not just that. It's it's the other stuff as well that you were taking the medication for mm. to begin with. Um, and I think some of it come from people just assuming that the depression is gone now, so that's that. So all I need to do is, you know, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, it does, it does. So it's, it's about trade-offs and like also thinking about what's the implication of not treating this. The functioning you've lost by, you know, being in this stage, it could get worse. But then if you were to be on this drug, what are you willing to give up? Because there's still something you're losing anyways. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, but that's, that's life in a way, right? It's always trade-offs. Mm. Like, you know, you you don't have a job and you get a job. You're trading off some degree of freedom, right? You don't have kids, you get kids. You're trading off some degree of autonomy. <laughs> you, mm. you know, you move from being single to having a partner. Like, whatever it is, you're always trading something off, you know, and and that's okay. Like, that's, and the point is that trade-offs are not bad. Trade-offs are just life. You yeah. know, it's just like, this is what life means. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and I'd say that, I'd say that, um, obviously, if sometimes if you can get better men's, you know, and sometimes that's possible. Um, then by all means do. But sometimes there's also a value to recognizing that, you know what, meds are necessary and the worst meds are better for me than, than nothing that. At all. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. Than nothing at all, than just, you know. Than yeah, being unwell. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, and, and the truth is that once you look at it that way, there's also many things you can do, you know, in terms of, yeah, like, so one, obviously, try other meds. Um, um, but also, obviously, like, are there also other behavioral or methods I can use to deal with, you know, with this? Yeah. Which you have, you know, you've done. But I feel like mm-hmm. at some point, it's like, you may still need meds, actually, in spite of whatever else you And know. keep doing what, yeah, yes. yeah, even keep doing what you're doing in meds, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd say don't see it as a bad, like, meds are a tool, like, this, I think the big problem is this thing where we see meds as weakness. It's like, no, meds are a tool. Why would you deprive yourself of a useful tool, you know, among but your the way, set of the way tools? I would, the way I, I kind of accepted it was more of supplementation. Like, if, you're, if you're, you have some alteration in your brain chemistry, you take serotonin to, like, uphill, you know, in a way. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, yeah. Well, the the image I really use you need is... <laughs> the what? The image I usually use is, like... Um, um, if you're in a well or if you're in a hole oh, and yeah, it's not very pro- deep oh, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, climb yeah. out yourself but if it's deep enough yeah, yeah. you're going to need a rope you're going to need a ladder or something and you're still going to need yeah. to apply some effort to climb up that ladder or rope but you yeah. also need someone yeah. to throw the rope or ladder down to you and sometimes meds are that, meds are that to rope hold, to, hold, to hold the rope at the other end so that when yeah. you don't you know, yeah yeah you know, and you're still Anyways, climb. Like uh, it doesn't negate your efforts. If anything, it makes your efforts more meaningful. Because what's hard is trying to do. Like there's a level of depression where, without meds, honestly, your efforts are just making it worse and making you exactly. more depressed because it feels like nothing is making any difference. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot we've explored on today's podcast episode. I think just the the hope. That's that's one thing I'm gonna live with, you know. 
Um, and I'm, there's something from that article you sent to me. Um, I think it was Elizabeth Kublaros made a statement that I think would be very good to wrap everything up, up today, which would be about hope. Um, we all go through one thing or the other in our, or the other in our lives, and sometimes they they shake us so much. But the key takeaway here is that the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, they've known suffering, they've known struggles, Word. they've known loss, and they found their way out of those depths. And while those depths of darkness may feel all-consuming at times, Arife, go ask daddy, okay? No, I'm recording right now, okay? No, no. Dad is sleeping? Yeah. Then you open it yourself. Go get it in the freezer. It's right there. No, no, no. Can no. you give me like 10 minutes, please? All right? No, 10 no, minutes. no, no, no. <laughs> These American kids. I don't know. Like, wait, wait. Hold on, Ari. Hold on. Come on. Here, come. Come. I just need 10 minutes, okay? No, no, no. no. I promise you, I'll give you the pops. All right? 10 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Can we practice the silent game? Go bring your tablet and come. Okay? Um, they've known lost. They've they found their ways out of those depths. And while the depths of darkness may feel consuming all time, all the at times there is hope and wholeness on the other side. So think about what the other side of recovery. And I use that word recovery because it's still you know it's still part of recovery. But it's always hope. So find it, and you'll be the hope to somebody today. That's what I'm gonna end up with. How about you? Any final wrapping up thoughts? That's brilliant, I think. I'm not sure there's any... I'm not sure I can flow that. I can't... Yeah. Um, I will say that (laughs) I completely agree, though. Like, Uh some of the most... One of the things I've come to learn is if you see someone who is a person of true joy um, and true peace, it's worth asking them, what have you been through? Hmm. You know? And I think that's something we often don't think about. We just assume they just have it. It's like, no, no, no. They've almost certainly been through something, you know. And, and I'm talking of the real thing, like not the innocence of on the on the side of I've not seen anything, but there's a real sort of grounded no. peace and In joy that, that only someone yeah. who's seen suffering has, because now it's a choice. And know? it's and long it's a lasting. vision of life then, that they've, yes. they've been able to hold on to where I see yes. the pain, but I also see more than the pain. I know, but you I have know to see the pain like to see that. You She's know. always happy. She's always happy. Lost her husband. Three of her kids died. One had an aneurysm. One committed suicide. The other one just fell off the earth like that. But she's always happy. And she would tell you it came at a cost. And she's one of the sweetest people I know. So yeah, yeah. that's so, so spot on. Like, you know, they choose joy. Anyways, um... Thank you for coming on the podcast today and um, it was nice chatting with you. We do have a couple more things to cover. Hey. We can do that next time. We haven't still talked about Tim Keller. And about what? Auburn Living. Yeah, no. We, Tim we Keller. Need to. Yeah, yeah. We, we need, need to. We need Tim Keller. Yeah, yeah. But you know something that triggered me some days ago? I don't know if you know this Nigerian um, artist, Mobad. If you've been on Instagram, you probably have seen the tribute not about really. him. I'm not active on Instagram. X, how about X? Yeah, I'm on X, but I don't. I check tech and stuff. I don't really care about like politics. You don't do Nigeria Twitter anymore. Not really. 
I, it comes what through. To you? Nothing. I've never done it. It just comes through when it's big enough. It comes through somehow. But I've never like actively Anyways. followed it. I don't enjoy it. I know it's what a little sad person depressing do? stuff. No, no, no. He's dead. He's twenty. He was oh. twenty-seven. Yeah. Oh, the dead I knew of was Pastor Taiwodukoya because one of my friends who used to go to Fountain was really like oh, yeah. shaken oh. by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, his death, you know, just was he suicide? Yes. No, there's so many things going on. So he he was signed into. Do you know Naira Mali, right? Malians. Mm-hmm. Of course, he I was know. signed I'm on his record label. So he was signed to his record label, but he left for some reasons we don't know yet. But anyways, he was bullied a lot, and they came out mm. with a lot of evidence. And he died after a show. He was just 27. So all these past things that you know um, the former record label did to him, bullying him, harassing him, sending dogs to his home, allegedly wow. came out, and people are so pained about it. I like two of his songs, like. I mean, he was he had he had that talent, mm. you know, and he was just coming back up and trying to find his own, you know, because he was blacklisted for a while because Naira had more influence, but he was you know making his own thing happen and then just caution. I mean, before he died, he did he went on live and saying that after his life and if anything happens to him, they should hold Naira accountable, and then he died like two days later. Wow. So trust Nigerians to to draw, you know. I think the sad thing for me was just. And listen to his songs again, which I had to go do again after he died. He was living in love. Like, he was talking about, you know, so many enemies. But Nigerian artists talk about that a lot. So you don't really think it's that serious. But mm. now people are beginning to see, like, oh, my gosh, he's been talking about this for a while. But we're just dancing along to the song and, you know, checking out. But, but he was crying for help. So, yeah. Uh, so that was, that, that kind of triggered me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, please, please. Oh, done, all done. I told you. Is that it's a sleeping? Okay, mommy's almost done, okay? <laughs> Can watch it. watch you right there. You want to sing a song? Yeah. What song do you want to sing? Um, um it's a song? Yeah. You want to sing Jesus Loves Me? No. You know what? Since just loves me, a twinkle, twinkle, little star. Twinkle, door, door, in the star. No one can hear. Ah, ah, ah.